0: All right, good morning. Great to see you this morning. That's what it's all about right there. We, let's give a, God another round of applause. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when someone makes that decision to put their faith in Jesus Christ, to go from spiritual death to spiritual life, like that's what it's all about. And we are so excited to, uh, to baptize those folks this morning. Let me uh, just give you a brief, brief recap of where we have been. We are in week three of our series called Love Does. And this morning, the title of the message is Love is the Greatest. And uh, the first week of the series, we actually talked about valuing others. I mean, that is the one thing that you can do right now with your neighbors, with your family, with your co-workers, with your boss, okay? You can value them. You can add value to them. You can listen to them. You can care about them. And then last week, we talked about what love is, we talked about what love isn't, and then we talked about what love does, and today is simply a reminder to us as a church, to us as individuals, that love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. My name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace. But before we talk more about love, I need to bring you in on a couple of uh, important things concerning the direction of this church. As most of you know, about six months ago, uh, our youth pastor, Reeland Wood, began the journey to start a church in North Carolina. And the time to take that big giant step is quickly approaching. Okay, we're going to have Easter Sunday, April 1st, um, up at the Fort Lewis Concert Hall. And that very next week, uh, the woods are going to be moving to North Carolina. And to say the least, it's going, it's going to leave some gaps here at Grace Church. Um, Reland handles most of our technology. He does a lot of the video production that you see. And he's also leading our student ministries here at Grace. And... Um, I just wanted to read this quote to you from Pastor J.D. Greer. He put it best when he said, churches that send, okay? Let me remind you, our strategy here at Grace Church is get in. We want to see people come to faith to get baptized. And then we want to see them grow up in their faith. And then we want to see them go out and make a difference in this world. And so, I don't know about you, but I am thrilled the woods are living out what our church is all about. They are going out to plant a church. This is what we're fighting for. Like, this is what we are praying for. And it's happening right before our very eyes. I'm so thrilled about that. But Pastor J.D. Greer says, churches that sinned inevitably will experience loss. Okay? It's North Carolina's gain. It's Durango's loss, right? That The woods are leaving. But the result will be multiplied ministry that glorifies God and expands his kingdom. It's going to be incredible. Like we're going to be a part of starting a new church. It's going to be incredible. God is so awesome because he is working in everyone's life at the same time. He, his plans are perfect. He's good, He's for us, and He will build his church. He knows what the gaps are going to be. He knows what we are going to need right here in Durango. So, yes, the woods are leaving soon, and ministry is going to be multiplied, and the kingdom of God is going to be expanded. But it also leaves some very real questions of what happens when the woods leave. And So this morning, I am, I am very excited to announce this, that uh, Pastor Chris Stanrich, okay, who was baptizing this morning, And his wife, Becky, they are going to be taking the leadership role in the student ministries here at Grace Church. Okay? And uh, I'm excited about that. I don't know about you. I'm excited about that. Chris and Becky, uh, they have over 15 years of youth ministry experience, and they fully understand that these students are going to be our future pastors. Okay? These young students are going to be our future leaders, our future missionaries. They're going to be our future business leaders. They're going to be future parents and husbands and fathers and wives and mothers. These young people are going to be the future leaders in their communities. And so I I thought this was a very appropriate time to take just a moment to say that investing in the younger generations, okay? Listen, when you you say hi to a younger person out in the lobby or in the cafe, and you ask about what they're interested about, and, and you intentionally pour into them, That investment in the younger generations is never a waste of time, ever. Like, we need to be about the younger generations. Let's pray, and let's ask God, before we get into the message, let's ask for God's favor, and to be very transparent with you, Chris already is carrying a load, and we are in the process right now of handing off a lot of his responsibilities so that he can really focus in on on the student ministries here at Grace Church. So please be praying for the Standriches, be praying for us as a church, and be praying for the woods as they go to North Carolina to plant a church. Um, We're trusting God as we move forward, and once again, he is responsible for building his church, and we just get to play along. It's going to be really exciting. So let me pray, and then we're going to get into the message this morning. Father God, thank you for calling the woods. Thank you for uh, burdening their heart, for leading them to go out. And God, I just pray that their example and their boldness and their incredible step of faith would be a spark that would uh, strengthen us, that, that their courage would actually stiffen our spines a little bit. And we wouldn't play church, but we would actually rise up and be the church. And we would go to those who need you so desperately. Father, I pray that you would pour out your favor on the woods and their future ministry. I pray that your favor and your blessing would be poured out upon Chris and Becky as they lead the student ministries here at Grace Church. And God, I pray that your favor and your hand of blessing would be upon the future of this church, Grace. Lord, we want to make a difference in this region for your glory, for your name's sake. And God, I pray that we would see many, many people get in, that they would come to faith, that they would be baptized, that they would commit to your church. I pray that we would see many, many people grow up in their faith and get grounded in your truth. And we would see many, many people go out to make a difference in this world, to expand your kingdom. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we close out this series called Love Does, we're going to go yet again to one of the most famous texts in all the Scripture. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I was drawn to one verse in this chapter that summarizes the importance of love and how important love is. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. And it says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Like greater than faith. Greater than hope. Those are are big categories in the Christian faith. And the Apostle Paul says, love is even greater. Love is the greatest. And that is the message today. The message today is that love is the greatest. All right? I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to be done this morning. (laughs) Hey. You know better than that, right? (laughs) Let me ask you this morning as we get rolling, are we, are you living out the greatest thing? Are you living this out, love? What if we were known as a group of people, as a church, that treasured what God treasures most, and that's people? What if we were known as a people who forgive, what if we were known as a people who accept broken people in? Wherever they are, we accept them in, but we love them enough not to leave them in their brokenness. People, what if we were known as people who continually blessed? Like we were just extremely generous and we, we blessed our community. We blessed those around us. We were known as people that lifted others up. People that continually added value to others. What if we were known as a group of people, a church that that truly respected one another? Like imagine this, children respecting their parents. Imagine this, husbands respecting their wives and wives respecting their husbands. What if we were known as a group of people, a church that truly inspired others to live this way? Like we didn't just... Talk about it and sing about it. We we actually lived it out. We demonstrated it. Imagine that. What if we were known as a group of people, a church, that continually went outside of our comfort zones to live out this incredible message of love? You know, as I watched Ian and Floor's testimony, wasn't that incredible? Like that's an incredible story. And as I watched this story, my heart was broken though when Flora was talking about one of her church experiences where she walked into this church and she was broken. She was was looking for love. She was looking for for someone to just offer some support, some encouragement, some prayer. And she said not one person, like she was crying visibly broken, not one person had the guts or had the courage to go up to her and say, are you okay? Can, Can I... Pray for you. Not one person was willing to step out of their comfort zone or, or to manage or to deal with their personality deficiencies, right? Oh, man, I'm an introvert. I, I just, I don't do that. Not one person was brave enough to go up to the floor and say, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? You see, love... Is the greatest, but in order for it to be real, action has to be taken. See, love does. That's the, that's the whole premise of this series. Love does. It's, it's not just something we talk about or or you know, like have this theology around. It's something that has to be put into action. Love does. You see, love requires. Action And this is true whether you believe in Jesus or not. It doesn't really matter. You know and you agree that, yes, love requires action. It requires something. Love does. I couldn't think of a better way to illustrate this truth to you in in real time, like in our present day, than looking to the life and the example of the Reverend Billy Graham. As most of you know, Billy Graham died on Wednesday at his home in Montreat, North Carolina. He was 99 years old. And some of you, you you may not know who Billy Graham was. Let me just give a little explanation of, briefly of his life. In the 1940s, Billy Graham and a few of his college buddies, they got together and they dreamed about filling stadiums all over the world and presenting the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save us, that he died and that he rose again. And if you put your faith in him, you too can be saved from your brokenness. They wanted to present this gospel to people who were far from God. That was their dream. That was their vision. And as of this year, over 215 million people in over 185 countries have heard Billy Graham preach live, in person. This is a, a feat that has been accomplished by no other minister. Millions more have heard him speak the good news through television and radio and and webcasts, and podcasts, and, you know, being such a well-known figure, public figure, you can imagine all the demands and even the political pressures that could have tripped him up along the way. He died at 99, and he left an incredible legacy. People can disagree with what he believed in, but they, they can't really speak against his character. And to all those pressures that he faced, all those things in 99 years that could have tripped him up, Billy Graham said this, He said in his boisterous, very cool voice, if I get on these other subjects, it divides the audience on an issue that is not the issue I'm promoting. I'm just promoting the gospel. How cool is that? Mr. Graham's ministry was truly groundbreaking. He went to places where religious activity was officially restricted, Including China and North Korea, Billy lived a life of love to his last day. And I just I want you to check out this video. It's a little tribute to his life, and uh, I think it'll bless you. Check this out.
1: It's
2: not often one man is able to move the hearts of nations to usher change across race and age, but when someone gives their life to a divine calling, amazing things happen. That is the legacy of Billy Graham. Tonight,
1: I'm glad to tell you that the Lord...
2: During the end of World War I. Growing up on his family's dairy farm in North Carolina, no one could have imagined what God had in store for this hardworking young man.
1: When he was 13 years old, he was in a play at school. His voice carried so well. I says, I just think there's something in that boy that we haven't discovered yet.
2: (laughs) At age 15, he was invited to hear a man named Mordecai Ham preach at a citywide revival meeting.
1: I was taken by a friend, and I became fascinated. And then the Spirit of God began to speak to me as I went back night after night. And uh, one night when the invitation was given, I just said, Lord, I'm going.
2: From this moment, life would never be the same for Billy. A new passion burned in his heart to see lives changed. He went on to college and began preaching the good news of Jesus to anyone who would listen. It was during those years of academics and Sunday sermons that Billy met Ruth. The young missionary girl raised in China would become his best friend, the true love of his life. And he would be the first to say that without Ruth, his growth as a preacher and evangelist would not have been possible.
1: When I came out and saw her standing there, he said, that is Ruth Bell. At that moment, I was in love Not only in love, something told me inside she'll be your wife. Now, it took her nearly a year to come to that same conclusion.
2: Word of his powerful message spread quickly. He preached on the stages of concert halls and auditoriums and over the airwaves of radio and television. And soon, people began lining the streets by the tens of thousands just to hear him speak
1: world peace, we must have peace within our heart. There's only one road to heaven. You say, but if I believe God, isn't that enough? I want to tell you before you leave Madison Square Garden this night of May 15th, you can find everything that you've been searching for in Christ. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He was a mighty man. The Bible tells us that in spite of our sins and rebellion, that God loves
2: us. As countless people responded to the move of God's Spirit, the demands on Billy seemed constant. But it was Ruth and their children that brought him strength and joy. Their home was a special place where he could simply spend time as a father and loving husband. These moments were precious to Billy.
1: Yes, uh, there is a great sense of loneliness. And if there is a price to pay in this work, uh, it is that that I'm not with my children. We are supposed to be like
0: Jesus.
2: God's calling on Billy's life took him from the largest stadiums to the most remote villages of Africa. He spoke not only of God's forgiveness, but also against the evils of racism, communism, and social injustice in our world.
1: And don't let anybody ever tell you that it's white or black. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world.
2: He was one of the most sought-after men of this age, turning down the political stage and Hollywood spotlight in order to continue his ministry to the lost, weary, and forgotten. His message was unfaltering, remaining true to the gospel and his steadfast faith in Christ.
1: I'm asking you tonight to follow him, to serve him, to let him come into your heart and forgive you be forgiven. Know that you're going to heaven.
2: What can be said about one man's life? For Billy Graham, let it be said that he lived his life to bring the lost and hurting to Christ.
1: Are you willing to receive Christ tonight? Because you may never have a moment quite like this again. You come and receive him into your heart and say yes to him. Hundreds of you right now. Just get up out of your seat and say tonight, I want my sin forgiven. I want to know I'm going to heaven. I want eternal life. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to follow him from this night on.
0: 1 John 3, verses 18 and 19, the Apostle John says, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. You know, just an amazing example of what one life, how God can use it, one life to do incredible, mighty things. Let me ask you, has your life been a message of love? If people could read your life, or people could listen to your life, what has your life been speaking? What would they read? Has your life been a message of love? When we love, it involves every part of who we are. When you love, you literally bring your entire being into helping someone else or becoming close to someone else. This is why love cannot be reduced simply to an emotion or a thought or a behavior or a choice or a commitment. Love involves the whole person. Love is investing our very souls for the sake of another. It's loving with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And as Christians, we we, we can't just look the other way. We don't have that right. We can't just ignore or pretend that everything is okay because love does. Love requires action. And this is true even if you don't believe in Jesus. This is true for you. Love requires action. Listen to the words of John. John was one of Jesus' disciples who was overwhelmed by the love of God. And at the time when John wrote this, he was an older man and he was writing to younger people in their faith. And when he wrote this letter... His whole purpose was to inspire these younger people to, to share this love, this wonderful news, this gospel, to pass it on, to live it out. And so in 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, the Apostle John says this. He says, dear children, he's speaking to us. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Okay, that's that's exactly what Jesus did. He proved his love to you and to me through his actions. Jesus proved it. Let me quickly remind you of what Jesus did for us. He, He entered our world, our world that is full of needs and hurts, and it's full of brokenness. Jesus set aside his personal wants and desires to prove his love for us. There was no selfishness in Jesus Christ whatsoever, and he came so that you and I could be redeemed, so that you, can, I, you and I could be better off, so that we could have a way out of our brokenness and the brokenness of this world. Love truly is the greatest, and that love makes all the difference. I want to I close out this series by reading the words of the Apostle John who was captivated by the love of God. Listen to these words. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-11. through 11. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. John makes it very clear that the only way we can truly love each other is because God first loved us. And the only way that you can truly love the unlovely is to remember that God first loved you. Even though you didn't deserve it, in all of your brokenness, God loved you. He loved you in spite of your sin, in spite of your brokenness. And for that reason, we too are able to love. You know, I know some of you are thinking, gosh, what is this? You know, is this like uh, Woodstock for Christians? You know, (laughs) like all this talk about love, like what is this? I mean, seriously, one of the things that I think you're missing, Justin, you know, one of the things I think you're missing, bud, I mean, I'm going to email you about it later, but one of the things that you're missing is uh, you're, you're kind of making this sound all about people, you know, it's all about people, and I feel like you've kind of left God out of it, and I feel like you're, you're kind of pulling us down into this world, and you're just oversimplifying this stuff, you know, it's just love, and it's, I, I just don't feel like it's deep enough, Justin, And it seems like you're forgetting God, and especially the glory of God. I feel like you're forgetting the glory part. After all, isn't it all about the glory of God? You know, that's a great question. And Jesus answered that question for us. What I'm going to read to you next, I, I have been praying, and I really, really hope that it bothers you. I really hope it bothers you. I hope it has the same impact on you that I believe it did when Jesus spoke it to the first century listeners and those who would read these words later. So here we go. One day Jesus was teaching and here's what he said. He said, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory, okay, there's that word. We love that word. And all the angels with him and, Then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Okay, when Jesus spoke this, everyone in this culture knew exactly what he was talking about. It's a little maybe confusing for us because most of us aren't sheep farmers, right? But in this culture, they they knew immediately what Jesus was talking about. Verse 33, and he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father's inheritance. Boy, I encourage you to check out that word inheritance and how Jesus uses it throughout the New Testament. It's incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. So he says, come, you who are blessed by my Father's inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And all the people on that side of him, like they're just thinking, like, oh my gosh, like how we're so lucky. I mean, how did this happen? How did we deserve this? Like, why why are we chosen? Why are we, how did we get to be on on this side of, of King Jesus? I mean, why is it that I have an inheritance in your kingdom? And Jesus says, I'll tell you why. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And right now, all those people, they're just really confused, and they're thinking like, I don't ever remember feeding Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't remember ever giving him something to drink. And like Jesus was sick. I, I didn't think Jesus was able to get sick. You know, I, I'm, I'm really confused. And Jesus was in prison. Did he break the law? I didn't, I didn't visit Jesus in prison. I'm, I'm really confused. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry And feed you. So they ask, God, when did we we see you in these circumstances? When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Verse 38. Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Okay, here's here's the hard truth. To those religious people who want to get all hung up on, on theology and technicalities and they want to argue their life away, and to all those who, who say, gosh, it's just not deep enough, I need the, the deeper truths of God's glory, let me ask you a personal question. Are you doing these things? Are you feeding the hungry? Are you giving drink to those who thirst? Are you welcoming the stranger? Are you clothing the naked? Are you caring for the sick? Do you care about the outsiders of society, those in prison? No? You're not interested in any of those things? Then I don't want to hear any more about your deeper truths. Because I can't, I believe you can't get any deeper than this. You cannot get any deeper than this. Listen, 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 listen. Your devotion to God, your devotion to God is visible, it's explained, and it's proven by your love for others the most honoring thing that you could do for god and his glory is to love his children that's the most that's the most glorifying thing you could do is to love others and whatever you do for one of them it's like you're doing it for jesus christ love is the greatest and let me just remind us god is going to be okay okay what you do or don't do it doesn't affect his glory one bit he's going to be fine God is okay. And he's saying the greatest thing you can do for me is to love others. That's the greatest thing. This kind of love, it will change your family, it will change your community, and it has the power to change the world. So I want to close by asking, what about you here this morning? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you put your faith in this good news, this gospel of Jesus? Have you made the decision to follow Jesus with your life and to take this love to the world around you? There's no greater cause. There's no greater thing that you could do with your life. And that is the call of God. He is calling you to this type of love today. And I'm inviting you to make that step, to take that step, to make the decision to follow Jesus Christ with your life this morning. And if you Make that decision. I want to invite you to let me know, to let Pastor Chris know. Um, on those guest registration cards in front of you, you can fill that out. Let someone know that you've taken that step so we can follow up with you, so that we can encourage you, so that we can help you to grow in your faith. But make that decision this morning to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God...